There it is. It's official. Okay. everybody you are listening to same peaks y'all it's the same it's the twin peaks podcast where two librarian geeks talk about twin peaks once every two years (laughs) we're back we are back and uh uh if there's anyone listening um thank you for uh anyone listening <laughs> yeah anyone at all thank you for joining us um you might know this i don't follow the news um well i was gonna say i don't follow the news so you might know this if you do a lot of stuff has happened in the past two years and uh but now we're back tess and i uh, uh real quick audio might sound a little different from last time because we are now recording um across great spans of space via the zoom network and uh so so things might sound a little different but tess and i are back um tess remind me i can't even remember what is the deal with this podcast what is our thing what's the thing i'm so glad you asked the deal with this podcast is that uh eric and i are both librarians and uh he's my best friend and I really like the TV show Twin Peaks. It's my favorite TV show. And I bullied him into doing this podcast with me. And he's never he had never seen the show Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And so every episode of this podcast, we talk about an episode of Twin Peaks. I summarize the episode and Eric chimes in with his color commentary as a first time viewer. And, um, and we also discuss the many mysteries within the television show Twin Peaks. We discuss the very quotable quotations that one can find in uh, the TV show Twin Peaks. We name an MVP of the episode who was the MVP of, uh, of that particular episode who was really pulling their weight in Twin Peaks. <laughs> and uh, we give it... Uh, a fish in a percolator out of five. What did we think of that episode? And to, tonight, actually, we are not talking about an episode of Twin Peaks. No, we are talking about the secret history of Twin Peaks, the novel oh. by Mark Frost, which I have a copy that I had to borrow from my local library because I gave my copy to Here. Eric and then he moved away. <laughs> Let me hold this copy up. Here it is. Here's Tessa's copy. And oh, for so two quick things. If we have any new listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want, you can go back and listen to our previous episodes um, where we cover all of season one and two of the original Twin Peaks show, as well as the Fire Walk With Me movie. Um, Tess, I've listened to some of them in the uh, like since we've recorded them, and boy, I really was waiting for robots to show up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've had some really uh, amazing theories over the years that we've been doing this podcast together, literal years. 
Um, some of them have been spot on, and then some of them have been really, really do far you, out there. Do you yeah, remember like, near the beginning, I thought everyone had a twin? Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, um, that's not that far off. Actually. <laughs> I mean, don't don't discount it. Um, I think my favorite was when you thought that Maddie was um, an android. Um, I think you thought that she might have been programmed by Dr. Jacoby. Uh, that one was real special. I think that one's my favorite. Mm. I also thought that, so if, real quick, if anyone's listening and they haven't, for whatever reason, experienced um, Twin Peaks seasons one and two, spoilers, obviously, because we've moved past that. We're now at the book. Um, but I was also going to say, I also for a long time thought that Maddie was Laura. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot. And also, um, I had a lot of uh, not not friendly things to say about our local sheriff, Mr. Truman. Um. <laughs> you have really um, put Truman in a, a new light for me. Um, as a as a, a longtime viewer of Twin Peaks, I, I had never seen him the way that that you saw him. And that was uh, very interesting. And I'm very interested to see what you think of Truman in The Return, which Eric and I will be watching the return um we're gonna do we're gonna talk about the book tonight and then we're going to uh the next episode you hear us we will be discussing episode one of twin peaks the return and you might be thinking to yourself but tess when they put the return out on tv the premiere was the first two episodes why aren't you watching both of those episodes and Eric and I talked about it. We um, consulted with the trees and um, <laughs> the only like uh, hard evidence that I could find about the, the, the episodic nature of the return was that David Lynch considers it an 18 hour movie broken into parts. And so we're just gonna tackle it one part at a time. So when it aired, it aired in a certain order of episodes being played at certain times, but Eric and I are just going to watch one episode a week and, um, and we're going to be discussing it. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's our next special announcement is that uh, we, in the past, we were a fortnightly podcast now, just because, you know, we don't know if there's going to be another world catastrophe between now and the end of the show is we're going to, we're going to record one and release one, hopefully one every week until we zip through, maybe zips the wrong word, um, <laughs> saunter through the return and then I guess our last thing is the final dossier, right? The book. Yes. Yes. And, and, and then the very last thing is Eric and I are getting matching Twin Peaks tattoos. That is true. We're <laughs> going to be tattoo bros. Um, let me think. There was one other thing. Oh, um, an, a new thing since the last time we recorded. We are now on YouTube. So if you're interested, go to YouTube. Um, our mother podcast, which we've put on break so that we can focus on this one, is called Same Team Y'all. So if you're interested in um, Same Team Y'allness, um, just find that podcast. It's called Same Team Y'all. It features me and Tess. Um, but if you go to YouTube, uh, just search for Same Team Y'all. That's Y apostrophe A L L, and you'll be able to see our beautiful faces. So if you ever wonder, uh, uh, well, and right now, I don't want. I want to test. This looks pretty good. You see this little thing I got going on here? 
Eric, I don't want to offend you, but you're looking like really skinny these days. You do not offend me. Um, it's almost like I've been rock climbing for hours a week. Who knows? It's incredible. Chiseled, sir. Yeah, I don't know if chiseled is the, well, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, also, uh, our email is samepeaksyall at gmail.com. If you have any comments, questions, theories, want to talk about how I'm wrong about everything, that's perfectly fine. Just send that email in. And uh, I, Tess, those are all of our announcements. Those are all to... announcements, except for one more announcement, which is- Oh, uh, Yes. Speaking of our emails, um, Eric and I had a contest going. Lest, lest you thought we forgot about the contest to give away our secret diaries. Mm. Um, and we will announce the winner of that podcast at the end, or excuse me, the winner of the contest at the end of this podcast. So mm. if you've been dying to know if you will be the winner of the secret diaries, you'll have to wait and see and i've got the prize pack right here i've got um all three of the secret diaries <laughs> which are really just my notes from this podcast <laughs> and um a uh a amazon gift card for dollars and this is the this is really exciting a seam peaks y'all pin for you to attach to your like cool denim jacket or perhaps a flannel vest or something, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever you like to wear, you can, you can uh, sport that if you are the winner of the contests. And it was, there was quite a lot of competition, Eric, but we'll find out who won at the end of this episode. <laughs> Real quick, before we dive into the book, and I know there's been announcements galore. Um, how's it feel to be back in these beautiful woods, Tess? It feels wonderful and strange. Oh, oh, okay, I've got my book. I'm right. ready. I've got my notes. I'm ready to go. So here's what we're going to do. I, I, you can see I marked the book with all of, <laughs> with all of the discussion worthy topics. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna blow through this book. I'm oh. gonna mention all the things that I thought were interesting. And Eric, you can fill in with what you thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. and and that way we'll synopsize the book um, along the way. We may run into some mysteries. Typically, I have a handy dandy highlighter. I couldn't find my highlighter, Eric. It's been like two years, but I do have a yellow crayon. <laughs> okay, do me a favor, because because now all of our traditions and rituals are coming back to me. Yeah. When, when I ask if you have your highlighter, you have to go click, click. Okay, you ready? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Tess, do you have your highlighter? <laughs> perfect, perfect. Good job. And uh, let, let us begin with the secret history of Twin Peaks. And so this book is, um, it's laid out, uh, basically Gordon Cole has assigned an FBI agent uh, who is identified at first as just initials TP, which is interesting because the initials of Twin Peaks are also TP. Oh, that's so dumb. I didn't even notice that. Look at you laughing. It didn't even occur to me. You know what? What was the first thing I thought of when I thought of TP? Toilet paper? Toilet paper. Yeah, that's exactly right. We've been through a lot this past year with, with toilet paper. So I, <laughs> I guess I get it. Um They've assigned, Gordon Cole is assigned TP to investigate the contents 
of a dossier, which was found at a crime scene. And um, in addition to investigating the contents, also to identify the archivist, who is the person who has assembled this dossier. And so the book is presented as just as the dossier, um, all of the ephemera within it, um, various articles and journal entries and photographs and such. Um, which is, I think, a really cool way to kind of like. It, it's kind of like, I don't know if there's a name for this type of book. Um, I've yeah. seen a few others, not a lot, but I've seen a few others like this where it's almost like the meta fiction of the book is that we're reading it and like we're, because there's like footnotes and it's like this make believe story of the book. There's a, I think I've told you about this before, a book called Ship of Theseus by. Doug Dorst and J.J. Abrams, which is essentially that, where there's a book and then there's notes in the margin of people who've read the book before you. And it's, uh, I love it. There's not a lot of books like that, though. I can maybe think of five off the top of my head. And that takes place in the universe of the TV show Lost. Is that correct? Uh, we, yeah, probably not. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> there was a monkey. I know there was a monkey. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A mysterious well, monkey. Um, the first uh, conversation point that I think is really interesting are the journals of um, from the expedition mm -hmm. of Lewis and Clark, um, which, uh, which basically uh, outline this idea that Lewis and Clark were exploring the Twin Peaks area and they came across several otherworldly uh, occurrences um, and interactions with the native people there, the Nez Perce Indians who live in the area. It discusses the owl ring, which becomes uh, uh, significant in the Twin Peaks series. Um, one of the really clever things I think about this book that Mark Frost did was that he takes just enough things from real life <laughs> and inserts them into his like fictional story about Twin Peaks that you're kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> like, for instance, Mary Weather Lewis did die a very mysterious death. Um, was he uh, murdered because he had the owl ring? I don't, I don't know. Oh, hi there, Amanda. <laughs> I don't think she can hear you because I got oh, my headphones in, but. Sorry, I should make sure there wasn't a fish in the percolator. No, that's okay. No, there's no fish in the percolator. <laughs> and she was checking on that for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then there's, and then, um, other other things that are from real life that he's inserted in here is Chief Joseph. Um, he was an actual historical figure. Jeremiah Johnson was a historical figure. That's actually, uh, there's a movie about Jeremiah Johnson that is one of my dad's favorite movies. <laughs> um, but there's also information about like the pilgrimage of the sky people and 
all of these things that are obviously creations of Mark Frost, but I just thought that was really clever and interesting. It's a smart way of, um, there's a video game series called Assassin's Creed that kind of does a similar thing where it's always like, oh, this thing you thought happened in history, we're going to play around with the gaps between it. And uh, th there is one comparison between Assassin's Creed and Twin Peaks that um, the book only touches on a little bit is this idea of there being two different secret organizations with aspirations for um, either America or the world. And I don't remember what this, I think this book says one's like the Illuminati something. And there are like two different groups. And I don't, I don't remember exactly, but um, it's never touched on again in the rest of the book, as far as I remember, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's that idea I feel like plays throughout the whole book and the yeah. whole series like uh even with like the black lodge and is there a possibly a white lodge to or a light lodge to combat the black lodge um and also in the book we see a whole bunch of different organizations that are kind of like investigating paranormal things trying to contact alien life or have we already contacted them um yeah uh this this also reminds me of a really cool comic book series i just want to plug it like i have no connection to it i just think it's really cool there's a comic book series called manifest destiny which is like a speculative Lewis and Clark fighting monsters, basically. Like they're they're uh, investigate, they're exploring, and what they find are like sasquatches and sentient trees and uh, enormous giant frogs and all kinds of stuff. It's a really cool series. Sounds pretty rad, actually. Yeah, I love it. It's really, go read it if you're interested in stuff like that. If you're um, interested in history, yeah. go ahead and read it. And Illuminati, uh, you brought that up. And I feel like that's kind of a, also sort of a thing from real life. Like not necessarily are the Illuminati real. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> not here to comment on that. But that is a conspiracy theory that exists in real life. Also, this episode sponsored by the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Secret Overlords. We appreciate your uh, your patronage and uh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Also sponsored by the Freemasons. <laughs> Do you have your apron? Um, and the Illuminati, apparently a symbol of the Illuminati, I didn't realize is an owl, which is uh, Twin Peaks adjacent. And um, uh, they, they mention a journal that is discovered which talks about some folks who discover the owl cave. And I thought it was interesting, uh, worth noting because their first encounter with the owl cave is pretty much exactly like the encounter that our heroes have in Twin Peaks, like right down to like the owl swooping at them and every, yeah. <laughs> as they discover the hieroglyphs, which I thought was very interesting. Apparently everyone has the same introduction to the owl cave. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> highlight it, please. Highlight, highlight it. it. The owl cave. First of the episode, highlight specifically um, their introduction to the owl cave. Okay. You got it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I love all of the little snippets from the local paper. 
um, kind of one of the first ones we see is uh, Andrew Packard, young Andrew Packard talking about his strange camping trip. Um, also uh, on this camping trip was Scoutmaster Doug Milford. Um, Eric, do you remember? Do you remember Doug Milford? I do, so you're, I know. So, so you're probably like, does Eric even know who these people are? So first off, without giving my hand too much with the fish in the percolator, I think this book. So, so this book came out just a little bit before the return, correct? Like uh, a, a handful of months, right? So essentially, twenty five years had passed since Twin Peaks ended, and this. So I think this book. So. Mm, do me a favor. Yeah. Um, write this sentence down and then highlight it. Yeah. Okay. The purpose of the book we're reading. Okay. And then highlight it. Because I realize this this probably falls under like mysteries, like a meta mystery of like why do, why even this book, right? Not every show. Like for example, um, they did the Friends reunion recently. I'm not a big Friends fan. I mean, I like having friends in my life, but the TV show I've never really watched a lot of. I did hear Lady Gaga showed up, so that's exciting. But anyway, I know she's she's saying Smelly Cat, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all that to say is they didn't release a friend's novel before the friend's reunion. So it doesn't always happen. So then the question is why? Well, I've got a, I've got a theory about that. It's weird that they didn't put out a friend's dossier. <laughs> the, friends, the friend's final dossier. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. And that has a creepy monkey in it too. <laughs> it does. Oh my God. Oh, the, the friends, so the friend's final. Also, Saved by the Bell came back. The Saved by the Bell final dos, the final report card. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, you I'm I'm hoping you remember the characters mm -hmm. of Andrew Packard and Douglas Milford. I did actually, believe it or not. Yeah. They apparently they thought they saw Bigfoot in the woods or evidence of Bigfoot or perhaps a giant walking owl. That one's my favorite. That one I would love to see in real life. That would be incredible. Uh, we learn a lot more about Douglas Milford. Mm -hmm. um, we learned that he was in the Air Force. Uh, he was in various secret uh, agencies such as Project Sign, Project Grudge, um, which investigating various UFO sightings. Uh, in his path, he's He's left many mysterious deaths. Um, <laughs> and it, it kind of, it goes back and forth. I feel like his purpose between like investigating the sightings and publicly debunking the sightings. Mm. Um, I mean, at one point, I think the archivist mentions that the organization changes from being just investigative to purposely trying to paint anyone who says that they've seen something unidentified in the sky or has any special um, um, mysterious happenings that they're um, a crazy person or, yeah. you know, they're to, to try to defraud them, you know, or, or just take care of them. Yeah. If you know and, what I mean. And not in the romantic way. Yeah. And what I found really interesting, I've, I've read this book. This is, I think the fourth time that I've oh. read this book actually. Um, and I, it was, really interesting to me this time around because Eric, I know you don't follow the news. Have you heard about the UAPs in the news? No, no. Okay. You're making a face and I can't tell. Do you know? 
No, that sorry for for audio listeners. I'm making a face that I'm hoping to convey. No, I don't know what a UAP is. Oh, a UAP. I forget what it's they. It's the newest Pink Floyd album, of course. <laughs> you wish. A <laughs> uh, UAP, and I, I'm, I, it's, I'm blanking on what the actual, but it's like unidentified aircraft, something. Um, but basically, the the U.S. government uh, slash the U.S. military has basically come out and said yeah we've seen stuff and we don't know what it is and they've actually released some footage of some stuff that they've seen like strange spherical flying objects that seem to have like a seem technologically more advanced than what we currently see regularly um uh, but uh, it could be a red herring, Eric. It could it could be that they're just like testing some kind of new technology and they're trying to cover it up. Who yeah. knows? But that's been in the news somewhat recently. And so now reading this again, I was thinking about that a lot. Um, so we learn a lot about Dougie and all of his adventures that he He's- goes on. Aside from the archivist, Dougie's probably the closest thing to a main character we have yeah. in this book. Um, yeah. It kind of jumps between a bunch of different perspectives um, from newspaper clippings to personal stories to essays. And he's probably the one character that we spend the most time with, which was actually really cool because he's kind of in the show. I don't want to say a throwaway character, but a character who's not one of the main crew, you know? And so it's kind yeah, he's like a background character. Yeah. He only shows up for a couple episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the idea that like, well, you know, we've talked about this before, that like the side character that we bear I only know him as the funny mayor and and then come to find out he has this whole history before him, before we even got to meet him, which is really cool. Well, Dwayne, his brother was the mayor. Oh, thank you. Yes. Douglas Doug was- owned the newspaper. Yes, right? Yeah. Correct. Thank you. Yeah paper that's okay um speaking of paper, which one's james again no, <laughs> which one's coop again oh. um, <laughs> uh, speaking of the newspaper a lot of articles that we see are written by robert jacoby mm-hmm. who is dr jacoby's older brother um and one of the most interesting articles i thought was the one about the three children who go missing. And um, it turns out that two of those children, one of them is Maggie Colson, who ends up being Margaret um, Lanterman, the log, log lady. lady. Mm-hmm. Okay, the log lady. And also Carl Rod, who I don't know if you remember, Carl Rod owned the trailer park in Firewalk with me. I do know, I do remember him mostly because I just recently rewatched Firewalk with me. So I was able to remember him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, I guess, used to be a Twin Peaks resident. Um, and uh, and then we, we get, we also get a little um, side note from Dr. Hayward, who, uh, who did their examinations upon their return from their adventure in the woods, which... I love that Doc Hayward has just been practicing medicine forever in Twin Peaks. Just every, he's like the only doctor in Twin Peaks. Um, by the way, I I'm not going to, but there are several 
quote unquote inaccuracies in this book, like, like things that divert from the canon that may have been established in the television show. There's only one instance that I really want to hone in on, but like I've seen online a lot of discussion about this book and a lot of people saying, well, this doesn't add up with this. And if, if so-and-so did this, then they would be this old in the TV show and they're not. So what does it mean? I don't know what it means. Um, maybe it means something. Maybe it just, maybe Mark Frost didn't think we were going to look so there was one, I mean, that's probably, it. there was one thing that I did that even I picked up on where I was like, wait a second, that doesn't track. And I don't remember for the oh, life of we me. Might, we might get to it because there's one that I feel like is a very big divergence. Yeah. But okay. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Put a pin in it. Yeah. So um, we also uh, get from Dr. Or excuse me, Dr. Jacoby's brother, Robert Jacoby. Uh, oh, what a tangled web the um the story of the founding of twin peaks by the the families the three main families the martells the packards and the horns who founded the town um and uh we find out that pete martell our fave and catherine had kind of like a romeo and juliet story like they were from feuding families I figured it out. I remember. I don't think it now that I mention it. I don't think the inaccuracies. The thing is it does it involve Pete. Oh, the this thing is not the inaccuracy. Okay. There's but one part where the person telling the story. Who is it? Who's telling this? The tangled web. This is Robert Jacoby's work. He describes Pete as more of a checkers player than a chess player, <laughs> and I thought to myself, I was like, we we know that Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know Pete's like a grandmaster. So that that's actually the only one I picked up on. I was like, nah, uh, uh, Pete <laughs> is the chess master, buddy. So um, anyway, that that's the thing that I knew. So the other one I probably didn't catch actually. Yeah, well, we'll get to it. Um, we also get this, uh, there's a, a lot of information that's found in the book the archivist found it in the book house, one of which is the Andrew Packard case files, mm -hmm. which appear to have been compiled by Agent Cooper. Um, and this is where we get a lot of background about Josie and Eckert um, and that whole storyline that I don't think you were a huge fan of when we were <laughs> watching. I wasn't, I will say that, um, so the thing is, I, it's funny too because now I'm remembering like all the things I thought about the original series. I didn't, I didn't like the Bookhouse Boys that much because they worked outside of the law. Right. But one thing that they never made clear in the show is I didn't realize that. So they have two goals. One is uh, uh, doing uh, acts of justice in the town of Twin Peaks. Second goal is. Um, uh, to uh, expand the love of reading. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, it should make sense. It's called the book house after all. But I mean, I wish they had told me from the beginning because that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the book house later because um, I feel there's a really, really cool. Well, we'll get to it later. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that's found in the book house is the ballad of Big Ed and Norma mm. and Nadine by Hawk. Hawk wrote, <laughs> he wrote out the saga. This is big discrepancy that I couldn't oh. get over. Oh. Which is basically just the details. Um, Mark Frost, are you listening? <laughs> 
Well, and like, I don't know who to believe because Big Ed tells it one way in the series and Hawk tells it a different way. Just with the eye? Like the, the order of events? Like the whole, like why they... Why, why they broke up is and how how like why ed and norma broke up and how ed got with nadine is like different yeah the tv show the way that it's presented in the tv show so in the book so in the show ed and nadine are married after high school because norma cheated on ed with hank and during the honeymoon that is when ed accidentally shot out Nadine's eye when Buck shot ricocheted off of a rock. That's how it's presented in the TV show. And that Buck shot gave her superpowers. Okay, continue. (laughs) (laughs) And then the book, in the book, Ed and Norma's relationship crumbles when Ed is in Vietnam and Hank intercepts the letters that he's been sending. And so... Norma doesn't think Ed loves her anymore. And that's why she gets with Hank. So it's, that's a little different story. And then it says that Ed and Nadine fell in love after meeting at the gas station and that Nadine's eye was shot out during a hunting trip that they took with Sheriff Truman. So it's a different story. Like maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I got, I don't know why, for some reason I couldn't get past it. I was like, but who am I supposed to believe? Am I supposed to believe Ed or Hawk? What's the cream corn called? Gorbin? Garmin Boja. Yeah, I think, I think, um, <laughs> I think Hawk got a little Garmin Boja in his face, maybe, and it got him all confused. He doesn't remember the story correctly. You think? Because, like, I'm more inclined to believe Hawk. Maybe I like Hawk's version of the story better than... I like the I like Hawk's version a little bit better because it sets up Hank to be even more... Like, from the beginning, he was nefarious, right? Like, he right. was withholding the information. Right, um, and that Ed and, Ed and Normal were always meant to be together. And it just weird circumstances happened. Um. I don't know. That's like my big like one that I was like, mm, I don't know about. OK, all this. here you go. I'm going to fix this for you. Go ahead and highlight it. Go ahead and highlight You're gonna it. You're going to highlight it. OK, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got he's going to fix it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go fix it for you. There it is. Okay. Um, I really love the section of the book about Dr. Jacoby that gives us a bunch of background about him and his uh his work with uh, indigenous tribes and the drugs that he used while he was uh, living amongst them. Um, also, this section solves one of the biggest mysteries in the show. Was it? Is it the 3D glasses? It's the glasses. Yes. So good, man. I love it. Yeah, you find out that there's like a purpose to the 3D glasses. And he was super disappointed that Nadine's eye got shot out because he thought that she would be a perfect candidate for his glasses theory but yeah i love that he's not just a weirdo who wears 3d glasses like he's got a whole like (laughs) to me to me and i'm definitely not the most knowledgeable person about the series but to me discussing the glasses in this book speaks to like a level of detail even though we just discussed like this plot hole or this inaccuracy but this level of detail where like mark frost is writing this book and he's like i'm sure someone wondered about 
these damn glasses. Like, I got it. Like, why else would he spend time explaining why Dr. Jacoby wears these 3D glasses if he wasn't himself, like, wondering, like, why is he wearing the glasses? Yeah. And I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. Or, like, did they always have that in the back of their mind? Like, like, and we'll have this character who wears, I, probably not, right? <laughs> it was probably just, I think, and David Lynch, if you're listening, let me know. I think a lot of it is like, hey, here's the thing that just makes the scene a little weird. And, and that's what we're going for, just to kind of throw it off. And then like, like, for example, I always go back to that one scene. And I don't remember what episode it is where there's all those like military students. They're just yeah. like bouncing balls. Like none of it makes sense, but it's just to kind of throw us off because we're hearing that bouncing ball throughout the previous scene, like where they're talking. And it's just to throw us off. Like what is something is something's weird and wrong here. And I don't know why. And I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't think David Lynch or Mark Frost sits down and goes, so they're bouncing the balls because they're preparing for a ball bouncing ceremony <laughs> later today. No, it's just like, this is a weird <laughs> thing. Like, this will be weird. <laughs> yeah. But I do think not that they're throwing stuff and randomly i don't think it's just like oh let's do weird stuff but i think they're going for like specific feelings and tones so like whereas they're not that important they're not that focused on um like the why but more of like the what like what is it making you feel like that scene with um <laughs> ben and jerry where they're thinking about the girl dancing with the flashlight that goes on for like you know a minute and a half it's just like why and they're like well because it's a little weird and creepy and it's about these kids having kind of this like this weird, like their first glance at like a girl in a sexy kind of way. And it's like a very specific feeling and they nailed it. Now the why, who knows, who cares? But that they nailed that feeling, you know, which is really cool. I also think that scene also kind of gives you like a kind of a glimpse into their brotherly relationship as well. Um, I don't know why, but this part of the book, like explaining the glasses, like, oh, that's why he has the glasses. I don't know why it just sort of reminded me of um, the movie Solo, uh, which is a prequel to the Star oh. Wars series. Um, and I, there's at some point in that they do, they explain things like they explain the Kessel run, like the, you know, and at one point they show him getting the scar on his chin. And I was like, did I really need to know how Han Solo got his scar? So you know what's funny is that it, I I totally get where you're coming from, but I mean they did the same exact thing with um uh um Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like the whole beginning scene is like because in fact they it's the scar on his chin. He gets the scar on his chin from the whip, right? And so it's two different origin stories for Harrison Ford's scar, and then also like how he first starts to use the whip and how he first got scared of snakes. Like hey. It's what you do, right? You know, it's like, it's what you do. Who am I? Who am also, I to judge? You're talking about the Solo, the Star Wars movie, not to be confused with Free Solo, which is a mountain climbing movie about climbing oh. mountains. Um, Free Solo, which is climbing without a harness. Oh, wow. Or any type of rope. Very dangerous stuff. Oh, goodness, so, it sounds. Yeah. Is that like a, is that have movie have a happy ending? <laughs> It, it does actually it's on Disney plus it's really good it's about this I don't remember his name but he free solos like all these things it's actually you'd probably be into it because it's very interesting because you see him and his girlfriend and he just has this like he's a young guy and like he's like one of those people that has the personality where like his thing is climbing and this is his only thing like I'm gonna live out of my van and I'm like famous among climbers but other than that I'm basically a homeless guy but all I want to do is climb and I'm one of the best climbers on earth but if you walk by me you probably don't think I'm anything special um but then like in his mind like he talks and he's like I keep doing this 
I'm going to die on the mountain. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And I plan on keep doing it. And then you see his girlfriend is like, yeah. Um, yeah. He's probably going to die on this mountain. Like it's really, inc- look at you shaking your head. It's he, d- spoiler alert. He doesn't die in the movie. It's perfectly fine. He gets to the top of the mo- mountain and it sounds great, but like, it's a really interesting perspective where he's like, yeah, I've, I have like a dozen friends who've died climbing like this. You know? I knew, I knew a guy who was a butcher like he he like butchered meat for a living that was his job and he told me he was like yeah one day i'll lose a finger he's like everyone loses a finger i was like okay (laughs) i worked in a deli department so not a butcher but like in the deli and i I worked there for six months and i cut myself on the meat slicer so if he's doing it all the time i mean you're right he how many fingers do you think he has now (laughs) well he got out of the butcher business um i mean a uh, weird tangent about my friend Mark. He um, he became a security guard. Wait, Mark Frost? No. <laughs> I wish. No. Mark Segretti, wherever you are, buddy. Oh. Uh, he, he was a security guard. And then he got a job working TSA in Hawaii, which is cool. Um, and I, 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 he was like a, a work friend. So I, I didn't really keep in touch with him. It was before Facebook. So uh loving kindness to you mark wherever you may be Uh, hopefully you have all your fingers still (laughs) i Um, i wish many fingers upon you my friend (laughs) 10 appropriately 10 (laughs) (sighs) um we find out some information about oh here's this is kind of a slight discrepancy from the show uh i said i was only going to comment about the one but i feel like i need to comment about this one as well um, we find out a little bit more about the bank explosion. Oh, yeah. Um, that is kind of at the finale of season two. Uh, we find out that Audrey uh, lives. She's that's, a, that's a big reveal because yeah. that was a we didn't know 25 we, years. So you wait 25 years. You're like, oh, she lived. We know that Pete and Andrew and Delbert, who was the banker, all perished in the explosion. But Audrey um, lived. please <laughs> a moment of silence for is it Delbert? Delbert. <laughs> Moment of silence for Delbert, please. May you be working at that great bank vault in the sky, my friend. Rest in, rest in power. And may you have all your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> many fingers. I wish you many fingers. Ten. <laughs> um, there is a discrepancy, though, because we get this letter that Audrey wrote to her dad, kind of like explaining where she was going, what she was doing. And it I feel like the letter indicates like what we saw in the show was that Ben was kind of in a reformation process, like he was putting away his nefarious ways and trying to move forward and be a better person, and eat carrots and not destroy a rainforest. And um, this letter indicates that he hadn't reformed. And also I felt like he had kind of reconciled with Audrey. They had like a tempestuous relationship at the beginning of the series, but like by season two, they were kind of more in sync with each other. But the letter that's in this book indicates that she hated his guts. Um, remind me the letter says that she's like revealing a bunch of his secrets or something to the yeah, newspaper yeah, right she's yeah she's gonna go down there and she's gonna and what does the book say about ben not being reformed because i don't remember that it, it basically just indicates that she's mad at him and i don't know like like she she thinks that she needs to 
you know, he needs to pay for all the things he's done. And I feel like in the show, we had kind of like come to terms with Ben and like, he was, he wasn't going to do bad things anymore. And him and Audrey were getting along, but maybe I'm misremembering. Can you do me a favor? I don't think you're misremembering, but can you do me a favor and highlight it? All right. Um, we also find out that Hank died in jail. That was another reveal from the book. He was killed by a Renault in jail. There's is, so many Renaults. Is this a different Renault? Yeah, put a pin in it. Okay, here, wait. Renaults. Here it is. <laughs> there it is. I put that pin right in it. So many. Um, Hank had a little bit of a reformation, right? yeah it does look it does kind of seem that way I mean, you don't know if it's another one of his like last second cons or something but it seemed like he did you yeah, know well, you know me hank constantly tricked me i constantly thought he was a good guy and i was like look at him and then and then he'll do something bad and i'm like no and then he'll be like i'm sorry baby and i'll be like oh okay i guess you're a good guy yeah you did go back and forth on hank i did um, we do, this is the thing that I thought was really cool about the bookhouse that I alluded to earlier was we get this photo of the bookhouse boys' favorite books, which yes. is cute. And also Lucy, her favorite book, because you find out that Lucy buys all of the books for the bookhouse. So Does that make her like an honorary bookhouse girl? She's like a bookhouse girl. She's like a, she's kind of like a, a honorary librarian. I feel like she, she can join our ranks. Are you, do you have like a mystery about the bookhouse girl? You're like, no, I don't. I'm just, I'm pondering. I don't have any mysteries. I'm just pondering it. Um, I but I too enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was cute. As a book lover, I thought that was cute. To yeah. See favorite books. Um, and then uh, again, pulling in some things from real life some kind of fascinating things from real life we find we get introduced to a few new characters richard nixon i've heard of him l ron hubbard <laughs> uh jack parsons who i don't if you're not familiar jack parsons is the jp and jpl which is um responsible for a lot of our like nasa missions um they're very uh instrumental uh in like the uh getting us into space and such um alistair crowley uh and um we find out that kind of all of them were involved in trying to summon an evil ancient goddess you know as one does you know i mean i've been i've been trying my whole life i've been trying <laughs> my whole life one day one day um my favorite uh, part of this section of the book is when Douglas Milford interacts with Nixon and a celebrity whose name has been redacted, but who TP uh, believes is Jackie Gleason. Are you familiar with the comedian Jackie Gleason? Yeah, I knew of that name and, and uh I did a quick little Google search and I was like, oh, I know that person, you know. You know that Jackie Gleason, the real Jackie Gleason, kept a um, UFO shaped library of books about UFOs? Yeah. To begin with, I did not know that. I mean, I think the archivist mentions that, you know. Does he? I yeah, didn't. I, I think he. 
Or, or they, I think they do. <laughs> whoever they may be. Wh whoever, whoever they may be. But I think they oh. do. Yeah, they probably did. And then, yeah. um, but you can actually look up pictures of Jackie Gleason's UFO. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, they're like chilling in the Florida Keys and they apparently they have some sort of alien life form there. I, I really like these scenes with Nixon because they kind of describe him as like a like a really imposing figure. I mean, he's the president of the United States, which is a powerful role, but like not only powerful in that sense, but just as a, a big man, a big scary man, you know, which I really enjoyed because often Nixon's kind of played like as a joke, you know, like a, I'm looking at you, Futurama. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I um we forget that uh, Nixon was qu quite the conniving um, figure, you know, like all of those recordings and all of the misdeeds he was involved with. Um, yeah, I I and you know me, um, Eric. I'm really into presidential trivia and so i loved that uh, a president oh that reminds me i know this won't mean anything to listeners but you know how you sent me that book um shoot now i'm i'm failing to remember the the book about trees yeah what is it the way trees talk the what is it called I you remember I, anyway remember you said that i've got to send you your book uh, so for listeners tess and i have become present pals where we send presents back and forth and i have a book that involves a president that i found i found just serendipitously it was just like magic and i was like what is this and this features this president okay let me look through it and i read it and i was like okay this isn't half bad let me send it to tess I'm anyway excited. yeah yeah speaking of presidents i mean um, Reagan is also mentioned in the book because basically every time power shifts between presidents in this book, Douglas Milford basically gets a new assignment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it, now he's on Project Blue Book. Um, he was on Project Blue Book under Nixon and then Majestic 12 under Truman and then SDI under Reagan. And um, around this time in the book is when we are introduced to someone we know, Major Garland Briggs, who comes to work at Listening Post Alpha um, in the Twin Peaks area, as we know. Which I've spent a little bit of time thinking about Twin Peaks in the past two years. And I really think, what? Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. And I really think for me, my personal favorite moment of the entire original series is that moment you know what i mean between between briggs and and his son uh bobby like it's just such such a magical moment and i don't know like you know me i love i love me some garland you know um and uh, it was it was very nice for me to see him show up in this book and then to get some clarification of what he's even doing in twin peaks like how that happened yeah right yeah uh, we also get some backstory uh, about the log lady. Tragic yes. backstory, actually. We find out all about, um, we find out the origin of the log, which she, she, her husband died in a fire and she went to the location of the fire and she picked up this log and she's never been seen without it ever since. Um, which, uh, I thought that was cool. Go ahead and highlight that. Um, this uh, this file this under probably things I've said before, but it's been two years, so I'll say it again. All right. 
Um, and then I, we found uh, TP finds a roster of all the Blue Rose agents, um, which I thought was neat. Like she just found a list of, of all of them. Gordon Cole, Philip Jeffries, uh, who is played by David Bowie in the film Firewalk With Me. Chet Desmond, played by Chris Isaac mm -hmm. in the film Firewalk With Me. She had a sour face. <laughs> Her Sam face. Stanley. Her face was sour. <laughs> Sorry. Played by Kiefer Sutherland in the film Firewalk With Me. Also Wyndham Earl, uh, Dale Cooper, and Albert Rosenfeld. Um, which I just liked seeing all those names together and knowing that they were all connected um, on this, this, this roster of agents that were investigating Blue Rose cases. Um, at this point, TP's got to wonder <laughs> what's going on here. Um, one thing about the book that I found really interesting, and I don't know if you noticed this, Eric, but every once in a while there are these illustrations that are laid over like blue and red. Did I notice this? Yes, I did. <laughs> did you also have that one's terrifying right there? This one is terrifying. Yeah, because it's got Bob, right? Is it, Bob. is it Bob? Exactly. Now, if you if you're it, basically if you have a pair of 3D glasses and you look through, I think the blue ones, you don't see any. Is it the one of the lenses, then you'll see Bob. And if you look through another lens, then you'll just see this fairly innocent photo of Leland. Um, and there's some um, illustrations. I, like I would call that a slightly innocent photo of Leland. Like he, that, it's actually a terror. Even without Bob, it's kind of a terrifying photo. Look at him. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, God. Uh, Yikes. Yikes. Um, but uh, I just thought that was like a, a, a cool touch to have those 3D illustrations. There was another one in there involving an owl, I think, like an yeah. owl and um, some triangles. Yeah. You know, the yes. most, the most right. powerful of all symbols. At the, the end of the dossier, um, it is revealed that um, the archivist is none other than your fave, Eric. Major Garland Briggs, um, and uh, who was last heard from in 1989? Where's he been? We don't know. Um, and TP stands for Tamara Preston. What's um, the last name again? Preston. Preston. Thank you. Um, this I'll just talk about this now because it's not really a mystery. Um, because it's been solved. But um, the archivist. So the big mystery of the book, right? is one we are we're reading this book and we're getting the secret history of twin peaks which is provided to us by the archivist but then we also have this greater meta story of tp trying to solve the mystery of who the archivist is uh so i gotta tell you i'm reading this book and i'm trying to figure it out right so these are some of my guesses right off the bat um at first my very first thought is that it was um i thought it was cooper that was my very first thought is that it was Coop and that I know last time we saw him, he seemed to be possessed or not of his regular mind, but I was like thinking maybe he's trying to solve the mystery himself. And he left it to the FBI, hoping that his former mentor, Gordon Cole could crack the case or help him out. That's my first thought. And then after a while, I was like, who else could this be? And so I went through a couple of different theories and then I landed on. So right before we get to the reveal that it's Mr. Bri or Major Briggs, Major? Major Briggs. Major Briggs. If you had asked me who it was, I would have told you that I thought it was 
none other than our boy albert because i thought it would be because i thought albert i thought coop would have gone off the like where'd he go and now it's albert trying to solve the mystery you know also some of the comments by um tamara 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 yeah yeah um are kind of a little snarky at times call her tammy tammy okay um tammy um agent tammy um get a little snarky at times which i was like is that is that is that Albert coming out a little bit? But then there's sometimes where it's like I felt like that wasn't. I mean, 25 years has passed, so it's kind of hard to say like what is an Albertism, you know? Um, but yeah. anyway, that would have been my guess. But uh, so, it, did you thought Agent TP was Albert? No, that- no, I thought the archivist was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like that doesn't. I kind of got myself mixed up there. But yeah, I thought that the. Um, I thought that the archivist was Albert the whole time, but it was actually Major Briggs. Um, yeah, um, I. So it was kind of ruined for me. Um, the uh, the identity. Shaking, I'm shaking my head. Well, I'll tell you why. Um, and it's a plug actually for the audiobook of this book. Um, there is an audio production that is a full cast audio. Um, if you like to listen to audiobooks, I highly suggest it. You don't get all of the imagery that's in the book, um, which is kind of like wah wah. But what you do get is this really amazing cast. Um, the actor who played Garland Briggs has sadly passed away um, uh, before, obviously, way before they made an audiobook, but they found an actor that sounds just like how many um fingers did he have when he passed away (laughs) hopefully (laughs) all 10 (laughs) this is such a weird episode but that's okay (laughs) but um wondering uh what happened to garland briggs's body is um put a pin in it for the return um but uh uh the actor who who reads the archivist parts was so clearly um channeling uh major briggs and the oh. actor who played major briggs that i knew right away who it was um and um but also in the uh the audiobook uh the actor who plays hawk reads the hawk parts um that um kyle mclaughlin play uh reads the parts that are oh my god for, that's incredible yeah. Yeah, uh, the actor who plays Jacoby reads his own field notes. Um, it's really, really cool. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah, so that is the secret history of Twin Peaks. Real quick, uh, while we we're talking about the reveal that it was um, Major Briggs, the yeah. archivist, one thing that's a little weird is that um, so uh, Tamara Preston is charged with solving the riddle of who the archivist is right who the yeah. archivist is come to find out all you have to do is read to the end <laughs> and then it's revealed like I, I thought that was so weird it was like so we got this case i needed to analyze this from all corners i needed to make all these footnotes i needed to figure this out. and she, and she's constantly like is this the person maybe this is the person here's some fat oh 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 it, he <laughs> He just says it. Yeah, like, so that was a little bit of a letdown. Like, I was like, okay, whatever. But I, I was... Pictured, I pictured Gordon, like, 
receiving all of these documents and being like, I don't have time to read this. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But part of me, it almost felt like I, I wanted to know who the archivist was, obviously. You know, we want to have that answer, but I was hoping that we would find it through out of, you know, I didn't think we would get to the end and they'd be like, by the way, the archivist, I'm the archivist and this is my name. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's the book. That's the book, man. The book. Should we get into the mysteries, my friend? I think we should. Let me do this real quick. And let's do it. Oh, yeah. You feel that? So mysterious. Ooh. Okay. We've made it to the mystery. No, wait. What's it called? The So Many Mysteries segment oh. of the podcast. So many mysteries. Um. So should I go through my highlights? Yeah, that's a good idea. I broke my crayon, by the way. <laughs> You were, you were clicking it too hard. Right? Okay. You know what? That marker lasted how many years? And then that crayon, I mean, hey, crayon, you do you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you couldn't last one episode, crayon? Oh, what, what, is that a Crayola that you got there? Oh. Or is that a Lakeshore? Oh, no. It was oh, cra no. Crayola? Crayola, <laughs> man. Crayola. I wouldn't have expected that from that. I was too rough on it. You are too rough uh, on them. It was okay. just too mysterious. <sighs> Um, did you want to talk about the owl cave and how the, uh, uh, the folks in the book get the exact same introduction that we did in the TV show? Here it is. So this is it. One, look at your face. <laughs> You're so funny. One of the big mysteries of this show, of this universe is always involving, um, to me, one of the biggest ones is Bob and these other worldly people, um, Cream Corn Kid, um, Happy Gilmore's grandmother, um, the guy with the stick, um, of course, that old man who waves his arm real fast, you know, all these classic, but oh, the little man, of course, um, maybe that creepy person who kind of shows up at the trailer park with Chet and does this for a little bit and then wanders away, who knows? But anyway, what's the deal with these people? Well, I solved the mystery. So everyone sit back and relax. It's time for me to, to look. Oh, you relaxing. Um, this is what I think is going down is because the question is, are they ghosts? Are they gods? Are they aliens? Right. You know, what is happening here? Now, minor spoilers for the Marvel franchise Thor. Do you know where I'm going with this, Tess? No. Um, I think what's going on here is much like in the universe of Thor, in Asgard, magic and technology are one and the same. I think Bob and these other beings are either so advanced or so otherworldly or so other dimensional or who knows what, that they are magical and it's technology. And the reason I think this is because in the show and in the book, when they came to the cave, you mentioned something very interesting. You said it was the same right the owl swooped down and these are the things that happen it's the same and you know what that makes me think of makes you think of when you call someone's phone and you get their voicemail and it's like a recording so i think it looks like an owl's attacking them and these things are happening but it's like this like it's just when you enter the cave this thing happens and it's beyond our comprehension to understand it and so magic and technology are one of the same and i think that's what's going on with that situation so Twin Peaks is part of the MCU. 
That's I mean, what you're saying. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here. Speaking of what, real quick, did you watch the Loki show? <laughs> did I watch the hey, Loki show? Hey, how, um, did your heart, like, stop when his clothes got cut off his body? <laughs> <laughs> my first, uh, spoiler for the Loki show, my first thought is when that robot lasered all of Tom Hiddleston's clothes off, I was like, oh, my poor library, my poor yeah, friends. We're like, gosh, I hope Tess is okay. <laughs> I hope she's okay. He's like, oh, there's a naked Tom Hiddleston standing in front of the smiley robot. Um, I've, recovered. I've recovered. Real quick, Amanda still is not into him. She says he's too lizard-like for her. She's okay, to, to each their own. Yeah, I but, mean, why but... be into a Hiddleston when she could be with this a stud? <laughs> <laughs> real quick, not to make it the locust, but that's scene at the like towards the end where he's watching his life play out mm -hmm. and he realizes that him and his brother actually do end up having a nice relationship like the look on his face his like tear his tear stained face oh got me right in the feels what a it, great show so far it's, it's a very clever show and i think it's very smart and i know this isn't the loki cast but real quick i think it's very <laughs> smart how they set up the because we've spent 10 over 10 years building up the stakes right and we get to end game and we're like guys the stakes are as high as they'll ever get half the universe is at stake we've got infinity stones these things you know how powerful these things are these things are not so and then the very smart way they set up the new stakes is by being like oh yeah um we just keep them in the drawer yeah some of us use them as paperweight <laughs> we use them as paperweights because it's like we're like on a level beyond it like infinity stones Get out of here! That's that's a that's like an adorable puppy. That's super cute. <laughs> Infinity Thanos. This guy is so cute. We're talking about sacred timelines here, and it's a very smart way of setting up. Like, so these are the stakes now. Like, you thought they were this, but now it's like you you're not even. We're not even in the same timeline. We're not even the same page right now. Okay, back so to good. the mysteries. So good. <laughs> it was um, very good. Did you want to talk about discrepancies with the series? The first one, I guess you said you were going to fix Ed and Norma and Nadine oh, for me. Real quick, I think we missed a highlight the purpose of the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. And I this isn't. Send you that one last, but go ahead. Oh, do you want me to? Here, no. I'll save that for last. No, no, you, you're guiding me on this journey. I'll save it for last. That's All right. Okay. You want um, to fix Ed, Norma, and Nadine for me? So this is it. Yeah, I'll fix it. So um, there are there are discrepancies, right? This thing happened in the show, according to Big Ed. This thing happened in the book, according to Hawk. What's going on? My theory, look at you. You're so funny. My theory is that Hawk, he's a member of the Bookhouse Boys. We know this. We know he loves literature. He's a tough guy. I think he wanted to break into the writing field. I think he wanted to write fiction, specifically romantic fiction, specifically romantic fiction featuring his friends. Not that weird, we've all done it. And I think he, look at you, and I think he wrote this based on true stories and he was embellishing because he wants to one day either publish it or he's working on his writing skills. So he took a story that he knew was true and kind of like spruced it up, added some extra romantic bits in there, uh, some stuff about Vietnam and changed the things around um, because he was hoping to uh, one day get his book published so um do you ever watch the tv show bob's burgers i do yes friend tina, fiction uh, tina writes erotic friend fiction mm -hmm. is that what hawks do? <laughs> He's just i think that's exactly what i mean we all do it right i mean you've read me some of your erotic friend fiction <laughs> eric we're not supposed to talk about that yeah i'm so sorry that's a different cast that's um 
same. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I think that's what I think he just embellished some stuff. You know? Okay. What about? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because doesn't he give it like a, a fancy title? What, like the Tangled Tale yeah, of... He Come does, on. yeah. Come on, Hawk, get out of there. And also in that story... It's like the ballad of Ed and Norma. And, and also, if we're talking about discrepancies too, is I think the way Hawk portrays himself in that book makes him seem much tougher and much more... Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know how to describe... Not like toxic masculinity, but much more like he seems very intolerant of Big Ed's feelings. Whereas Hawk in the show, although he's a man of few words, he seems to be very um, open to yeah. his feelings, right? He's a sensitive he, guy, yeah. yeah. whereas in the book, he's very much like, I thought he would get out of this. And he, I don't know if he calls him the 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 P word. <laughs> I think he did. He, <laughs> he did it. Have, I don't know, I don't the, think so. The, the P word that rhymes with wussy. <laughs> anyway, I don't, he called him something that I was like, whoa, Hawk. Where is this coming from, buddy? Oh, he talks about something about he thinks Big Ed would be deep in some 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 oh, stuff, some girl, some girl stuff in Vietnam. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, I just don't think he portrayed himself like like the hawk we know in the show. Anyway, okay. That's I can buy that. I yeah. can buy that. There it is. I fixed it. So everyone. You fixed it for me. Um, what about the discrepancy with uh, Ben and Audrey? Okay, so I think Audrey and Ben, you were not misremembering. I think they were beginning to patch things up. And I think, I think Ben, this is my theory and I could be wrong. I think he was reformed, but I think Audrey didn't fully believe that. Like she was starting to patch things up. She still, you know, he spent his whole, her whole life being a not a great guy. And she almost died in an explosion. Kinda, kinda his fault. He's all wrapped up in that thing. So I think it was like, she almost died in an explosion. She's like, okay, F you, daddy. I'm mad at you. And I don't care if you said you're better now. And I think that's what's going on. So, I mean, a little bit of a discrepancy, but I think it's more of like, they were beginning to patch things up. Then a bomb exploded in her face. And then she she got angry. I think she writes the letter before the bomb goes off. Oh, did she? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Then she, if I get my timeline mixed up, then she she thought things were better. Then you know what? She just changed her mind, said, you know what? I'm uh, angry now. So my like little theory that I had when I like was reading this for the first time was I thought um, she, she gives a very impassioned speech about the environment at the Miss Twin Peaks contest. That's right. And I thought, maybe she's really into the environment now. And like, maybe she doesn't think her dad is doing enough. Like, like Ben claims that he wants to save the pine weasel, but is it all an act? Is he really, is he really doing anything to save the weasel? Like, I was wondering if maybe she had, I mean, and we also see her, I think she's reading at the library, like about civil disobedience and stuff like that. And we know that she's about to protest by like going to the bank and like locking herself up at the bank or whatever. Um, so I just thought maybe she had like a little revolutionary like moment um, and that caused her to kind of rebel against her dad. That was I mean, I think it's like they spent so long, Ben was one type of person and then, you know, they kind of start patching things up. But I mean, I don't think anything was 
firmly set in stone, you know? And so who knows anything could have happened. I think that part's probably just fan fiction written by Hawk as well. <laughs> More erotic friend. Fiction. Yeah. Whenever there's a plot hole, I was like, that was Hank. He wrote that. <laughs> um, you were going to repeat yourself about the log lady's origin story, possibly. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this already, but um, I think so the woods and Twin Peaks are around there. It's called Ghost Woods. Um, I think there's something about the trees that when people die near them, they um, their souls get sucked into the trees. I think I've said this already. And um, um, Margaret's husband dying, Margaret, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the woods, in the fire, uh, I think his soul or his essence is in that log that she's holding. Um, and I think further evidence of this is, if I haven't mentioned this already, is Josie being sucked into that drawer pool because that drawer might have been made from locally sourced wood, uh, ghost wood. And so I think that's what's going on there. Just, uh, wow. just a remind, just a little reminder. I think I said this already, but I think that's what's going on. Something to do with the woods. I think uh, they could have called these woods anything in the world, and they chose the word ghost. So. Yep. And then you want to tell me about the purpose of this. Book. Oh yeah. So anyway, I really enjoyed this book and I think, it, I think it served two purposes. One is um, purposes, not porpoises. Um, <laughs> it served two purposes. Um, one, I think it's meant to be as a, Hey, do you remember these people from 25 years ago? You know, I think, uh, I think they're probably thinking about like, Hey, we got this show coming out. Um, not everyone has like rewatched it so many times, you know, some people might be watching it and they haven't watched it since 25 years ago, maybe who knows. So I think this book was in part refresher of the events of the first of Twin Peaks, which it does a, a great job of doing in a, in a way that doesn't feel like you're just rehashing the events of Twin Peaks. And then also Um, it fills in the gaps of the original show as well. Like there are some things like, for example, the whole thing with the um, Eckhart and the Packards and all that. Like I enjoyed that story much better in the book than I did in the show because, hey, the show didn't really tell me anything about any of that. Whereas I, same thing with the log lady. Like I feel like I enjoy that character so much more after reading the book than just a show. Cause I was like, oh, of course. And then I think the second thing the book was supposed to do is then kind of tease um ideas about where the the return is going so a quick quick segue before we wrap up mysteries some theories i have about twin peaks the return and once again if we have any new listeners there's a friend we have of the cast called the spoiler dove it's a beautiful majestic dove um whenever tess and i record um it sits right here on my windowsill right over here and it stares at me and if i ever read watch or otherwise consume any spoilers from the show before we get to the podcast um it will peck my eyes out of my skull and i will never see my daughter grow up so i take it very seriously look at you laughing you're so funny um so i haven't i i don't know anything i don't know anything in fact at the end of this episode tess and i will watch um the trailer for for um twin peaks the return i haven't even seen that so i don't know anything about what's going on so here's some quick theories um, one, I think the main thing about this book is I think one of the main characters of Twin Peaks to Return is going to be Miss Agent Tamara Preston because why not, right? You know? Um, theory number two, I think we're going to see Coop again. I think Coop's not going to be the same Coop we saw before. His hair is not going to look quite as nice. Maybe his metabolism won't be the same as a, a hummingbird. 
Um, I think we're going to see Harry Truman again, mostly because you said you're interested to think what I think about him. I think we're going to see that drawer pull again. I think we're also going to see the little man. Oh, I don't know if we're going to see the little man, but we're going to see the big man again. Um, and that's mostly because of a spoiler because I was looking up stuff for quotes and I saw that the big man was listed as um, part of the cast for the return, but that's perfectly fine. That's okay. Um, what else? Theories, not necessarily about the show, the return, but what about I think about characters? Ben, completely reformed, the nicest guy on the block. When you see him, you smile. And yes, Tess, he cares about what's the damn weasel called? The pine weasel. <laughs> Every morning he wakes up and he reads about the statistics on the pine weasel because that's all he cares about. <laughs> Audrey and Billy Zane, they're married with three kids. <laughs> Josie, she's still in the drawer pool. Um, who do we have? Um, oh, Andy and Lucy, they got married, but then they broke up. But then Lucy became the new leader of the Bookhouse Boys. I actually had a dream about this. Lucy was the leader. Yeah, I told you about this. Remember, I told you it was an aggressively sexual dream. Remember? <laughs> no, you don't remember that? Yeah, anyway, Lucy was the new leader of the Bookhouse Boys. Um, <laughs> I think that's all I've got. Anyway, those are the mysteries. So good. Those are some good theories. I yeah, like Thank you. What's, what's our oh, next God. segment? I was going to say, because I don't know if I remember. The quotable quotation. We're going to uh, do our favorite quote from the book. Okay. You should... oh, some nice jazz flute. <laughs> yeah. For some reason in my head, I was like, um, I was like, what, what feels like a quote? And I was like, ah, jazz flute. Of course. Yeah. For our, our longtime legacy listeners who might be like, what happened to the original quote music? We lost it. Um, I, in the past, like two years or whatever, we've, uh, We've moved houses, we've replaced computers, we've uh, gotten new jobs, we've, you know, children have grown up, so many things have happened, and we were lucky to find the music that we did find. The we discrepancy in our music can be explained, you know, this, where we're going with this, uh, Hawk had Hawk. written the original music, and he just embellished it a bit, this is, anyway. It's a, the uh, new, you, new quotation music. Do you want to go with your quote? I will, but I'm a little. I think we might have chosen the same quote because I saw no. you. I saw you looking at your book earlier, and you were <laughs> looking in the same place where my quote is. So we'll find out. This is my quote. Um. The owls may indeed not be what they seem, but still serve an imperative function they remind us to look into the darkness was that the same quote that you picked that's not the same quote we are in the same area though we're in the same area oh well see that so that comes from um a message uh from i think it's from douglas milford to mm -hmm. to um i think it's briggs isn't it major briggs yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was so cool, like, cause it's like kind of taking something from, from the old Twin Peaks, the owls are not what they seem um, and saying that might be true, but they, they serve an imperative function to remind us to look into the darkness, which I think is, uh, is probably just like good advice in general, just kind of like 
investigate the things that you hear and that you see and uh, question things and don't just, you know. This book does a really smart thing at the beginning. The archivist, which we now know as Briggs, talks about the difference between mysteries and secrets. So smart. And like mysteries are like this sacred divine thing that have always existed. And secrets are like man-made and, and, and deceptive by nature. It's, it's, it's very clever. Um, anyway, um, my quote is from that, I think maybe that same page or very darn close. It's also Douglas Milford to uh, Major Briggs. And I think this is an important quote because I think this quote is the key, the key uh, to it all. Here it is. <clears throat> These final truths you must never forget. We are utterly incapable of knowing their true intent. And their true, actually, I'm going to stop right there. It's mid-sentence. We are utterly incapable of knowing their true intent. There's a comma and more, but I'm going to stop it right there. Now, this is why I picked it. Because we've talked about this before on the cast. I think that this, so, so you and I, we're sitting here and we're doing this. We're doing a podcast about this show. And the whole reason we have mysteries and all that is we're trying to figure it out, right? What's the puzzle? What's the answer? And I think the game that that David Lynch and, and Mark Frost are playing is it's a game that there is no answer. Like I, I'll repeat that. I've said this before. Like I think especially once we get to fire, when we got to fire walk with me and David Bowie shows up and starts yelling about a person we never knew. And then it fades to people we've never seen before. Maybe one, we saw the kid and there was, you know, it fades to this thing and things are never explained. And then later Laura Palmer is, there's like a woman and who knows what's going on. These final truths, you must never forget. We are utterly incapable of knowing their true intent. I think the point of Twin Peaks, even though it's fun to figure out the mysteries and put them together, like we're always going to try to do that because we're humans. I think the equivalent of what the show is and what the book is in that universe is David Lynch. Um, he uh, um, sits on a chair somewhere, maybe stares at a tree for 20 minutes, meditates, has lets his brain enter that world where there are no rules, right? Like that dream, right? You have a dream and there are no rules in the dream. It's, it's not bound by logic. It's not bound by any type of like rationality. And then he takes those thoughts and he puts it in the show. Right. And then we're forming patterns the same way that, that ancient peoples would look at the stars and go, well, clearly that's a man. So that must be a man God up there. I think we're doing the same exact thing. So I don't think there will ever be an answer to what it is, because I think the point is that there is no answer. So that's why that it's my quote of the episode. That is a uh, very good um, attitude to go into the return with. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what the thing is. If we go into it looking for answers, like here's the deal. Like I know we've often, and I don't know if we'll do this or not, but we've often joked about, Tess and I have joked about when we're done this, maybe, and maybe not moving on and, and doing the same type of show, the same type of podcast with the show lost, you know, because similar kind of mysteries. Um, I know I've had some friends um, that have been disappointed with that show because spoiler alert, maybe not all the mysteries are solved. I have no clue. But to me, I would almost argue that the point, I don't know about lost, but definitely here in Twin Peaks, the point isn't so much the knowing, but it's more of the experience, right? Um, anyway, uh, that's my quote, sister. Nice. Eric, do you have an MVP of this episode?
<laughs> Sorry, I missed it so much. <laughs> the smoke clears. And oh the my god! Pulls back to reveal your MVP, who is well. This is interesting to me because my <laughs> MVP for this episode, the smoke is clearing, and they're walking over, and my MVP is someone that I don't even know what they look like. It's none other than agent tamara preston because i mean she's putting the pieces together and i thought it was really she's probably the closest thing we've got to a main character of this book right um and i just i really like her the way she was able to solve the mystery of who the archivist is i mean it was she had to read to the end of the book it was incredible um we also but, had to confirm all of the evidence she, she did i know i know i'm being snarky i I really, to me, because I think if it wasn't for her footnotes added to the book, because I think that adds this extra layer to the book. I feel that if we are to have, because I know Twin Peaks doesn't necessarily have a main character. Closest thing we've got to a main character in the original show is Pike Cooper and Truman. Um, I'm not too sure if Coop's going to be the main character in The Return. I'm willing to bet it's going to be closer to, to Agent Tamara. Preston. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. So she is my MVP. Nice. Nice. I had a I had a hard time choosing between three. It was Cooper, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Coop's always my MVP. Um Tammy, uh uh Major Briggs, the archivist, mm -hmm. the whole reason we're here, uh, to read this dossier. Um, and Douglas Milford, who uh, we mentioned is kind of the one through line throughout the story. And um, I decided to go with Douglas Milford um, yeah. uh, just because we learned so many eye-opening, interesting uh, historical <laughs> facts from, um, from uh, uh, learning his story and um, the way that he's kind of interwoven with all of these little things that are going on in Twin Peaks and other places across the country. Um, and I also, like we mentioned before, I thought it was really cool that it was this kind of like background character that you end up finding out like, oh yeah, this whole like amazing life before, <laughs> before he was just like feuding with his brother <laughs> the book was so clever because it was like because we even got wasn't there a part where there was like a young andy involved somewhere or uh, did i imagine that we, you may have it's actually it's been a few weeks now since yeah I, <laughs> I know for me it's been like a month yeah so for listeners tessa and i read the book and then the twin peaks gods have been against us and we've been having a hard time finding time to record but i think it was really smart how like for example doc hayward like he kind of shows up with his little his notes you know but then it's it doesn't feel like oh here's the cameo right you know like it all feels very natural the way the story is being played out and the reason why things are there um no it was i uh speaking of which um maybe we should discuss you'd never guess there was a fish in the percolator <laughs> how many fish in a percolator would you give this book i would give the secret history of twin peaks five fish and a percolator i love this book like i said i think this is my fourth time reading it through i've read it a couple times through i've listened to the audio a couple times through i really dig number one just this like style of storytelling i think is really fascinating and interesting like the kind of like 
oh, we're going to throw in some some things from actual history to make you like second guess like where we came up with this stuff. And then and also just uh, like, you know, I watched this TV show, Twin Peaks, and I loved it. And then all of a sudden they started talking about we're making a sequel. And I was just like, I was just, my mind was boggled. I was like, I can't believe this is happening and that I'm going to get to see it. And it was so exciting. And there were so many, I asked, I asked you, Eric, if you wanted to hear any of the, like, um, all of the rumors that had been swirling about the production of the TV show. And you told me, no, I want to go in blind, which is fine. So we are not going to discuss them on the podcast, but there were many rumors swirling about the production of this TV show. And then this book came out and it was just, it was just such an exciting time in all of our lives. (laughs) Well, to be, to be honest, to have, so you, you love a show and it's essentially a a dead show, right? Like you, that's like me going back and I'm like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to watch Terminator to Sarah Connor Chronicles. And I really am going to love it because you know what? That shit, it's dead, dead. Like James Cameron's not like, you know what? I should write a follow-up to that. No, they've forgotten that it exists. So it's like, you love the show that was essentially dead. And then now you've got new content for it. You know, even before the, here's the deal. So this is my, my kind of analogy. It's a little different because the time's not so great, but Tess, you know this. I very much enjoy The Matrix. Later this year, apparently, word on the street is that we're getting another Matrix movie. And that series, the, the three movies and and the video game and the few comics, is one that I really thought would keep going. Like, I thought it would be the next Star Wars. Like, I thought, you know how Star Wars is like, boy, I love Star Wars. What do I read next? It's still going, baby. It never stopped. I really thought that would be it, but no. And so, like, for me, I feel kind of, I, I, I feel it's not quite 25 years, right? It's more like, what was it, 2003 was the last movie, which, by the way, oof. That's a good year in Eric's life. That's a good year, 2003. Um, anyway, that's how I feel too. Like, oh my God, it's back. We've talked about this, golden age. You like Saved by the Bell? Boom, back, baby. You like Friends? Reunion, don't worry about it. It's crazy, right? Oh my God. So yeah, I I thought it was uh, really great. It, it gets the job done for me. What about you, Eric? How many fish in a percolator do you get? Shouldn't be too much of a surprise. But this percolator is jam-packed with fish. It is packed to the gills, <laughs> packed to the top of the perk. I don't know how coffee's made. Top of the perk of the later, if you know what I mean. It is, uh, I give it five fish in a percolator. I very much enjoyed it. Um, I think that if it was, let's say, just a regular book, like I'm just thumbing through it, I don't think it would be half as effective as it being like this like this fake archive, like this meta story. It's very cool. Um, the one thing that did annoy me is the fact that Major Briggs just announces he's the archivist. I really hope that like, that it would be like she figured it out on her own. Like it's gotta be him because I did this and of course it's him. Um, that's fine. Other than that, it's very cool. And I like to, right off the bat, we get a nice message from Gordon Cole and it's impossible to not read it with his voice in your head an excellent book, an excellent refresher to the world of Twin Peaks and an excellent, get your, get just a little, little hors d'oeuvre, get ready for the return, which uh, Tess, now that you and I have done this episode, I mean, we still, we're going to watch the trailer, but now that we've done this, you know what this means. 
I can officially watch the first episode of The Return, which I'm very excited about. Speaking of which, let me get my screen share going. Okay. Because <laughs> we're getting ready to watch the trailer. Um, the one that you sent me, right? Mm-hmm. Was this the only one that came out for, um, like, there weren't multiple trailers? Um, I think there was... Like, I'm trying to harken back. There was this, and then I think there was one that was sort of almost like a almost like a production trailer that had, like, interviews with the cast and stuff, and I thought that you would not be interested no, in that. I'm not. Can you see my screen? I can. I can see your screen. S- since you can see it, that means our lovely listener slash, oh, viewers now can see it. Let's go here. I'm going to move all my extremely disturbing erotic pornography out of the way. Oh, that one, all the incredibly, oh, here we go. You see this? Let's make this big. Uh, This is called Twin Peaks Season 3. It is happening again. Promo. Oh, a little bit of a spoiler right there. Okay. (laughs) That's exciting, though. Oh, my God. Okay, let's hit this button. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> it's spooky. Try me. Ah, oh, I love that actress. Oh, I love that dog. Oh, I love that lady. You're so funny. Ah! This is nuts. Oh my God. Was that it? That's it. That's it, man. Okay, let's get out of here. Okay, so, okay, let me stop the share. Okay, there we go. Can you see me still? I can. Oh, perfect. Okay, so, um, boy, that was a... That was exciting, right? That was that was something. <laughs> yeah, that was something. I can't even imagine. So remember that feeling? Remember that feeling when that first trailer for Force Awakens comes out and you're just like, what the? Who's that? Who's, who's that? that? What the what heck? That guy, there's a stormtrooper and there's a, a rolly droid. And who's that guy speaking? And have you felt the awakening? And then I don't think it was the awakening. <laughs> I don't think it was the first trailer that we saw Han the first time. It was like the second or third where we see Han and he's like, we're home. And you're like, oh my God, it's Han. And there's Chewie. Like, that's what it feels like, you know? Oh, my God. That's so exciting. It's uh, um, So let's talk about The Matrix. <laughs> I am just real quick. The only reason it's, like, so hot on my mind is, like, I had a moment where I was like, this is happening. Like, this is happening. And I was listening to the score to uh, Matrix Revolutions recently. And um, um, mm, here, I'm just going to do this real quick. Oh, it's real good. So anyway, I'm ju- I just got it fresh in my mind. It's very good. The um, um. Anyway, that was the teaser. That was that was it, man. It's yeah, us. I I like that you use the word spooky to yeah. describe it because uh, especially like the first couple episodes are there's some like for me kind of like horror movie vibes going on. So well, um, the the original show had some. 
the original show had some horror movie Real. stuff for sure. Um, the thing is, so part of the reason, so, okay, let's, let's kind of put a bow on this and start wrapping things up. So real quick, um, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts about anything about Twin Peaks, my stuff, your stuff, whatever, that podcast or that email is same peaks y'all at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at same team y'all. That's also counts as a Twitter handle for this podcast. So uh, Tess handles that as well. And uh, just real quick. So one of the reasons we're going to a weekly format for this cast is I anticipate, I anticipate really enjoying the show, but I am a man who very much enjoys um, for lack of a better word, like delayed gratification. Like if I know there's something real tasty, I'm going to let, I'm going to wait. Like, Ooh, wait. Oh, can I eat that now? No, let me wait. Let me, I'll take a little. Okay. Let me put it back down. Oh, oh, now I really want it. Um, so we are keeping to once a week. Cause part of me in my heart of hearts, I think if it wasn't for the show, like I would zip same thing with the original twin peaks, I would zip through them because I really enjoyed it as well. Um, and I think if we did it every other week, like we originally did it, it'd be too difficult for my, my poor little heart. So um, um, that's it. We did it. Right. Um, we did. And uh... Oh yes. Here, wait, 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 give me one second. Um, uh, I was gonna find some music for the some thing. Music, musical accompaniment. What is this? Let me, I'm gonna hit a button. <laughs> is that? Very exciting. Can you give me a drum roll? Um, yeah, here, wait. Drum, 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 yeah! Fantastic. Um, the winner of the same peaks, y'all, Secret Diaries prize pack that I'm holding in my hand is our best friend, Chris. Best friend of the cast, Chris. Oh, Cream Corn Kid showed up. Oh, Cream Corn Kid, he's got a a whole hand of Garbon... Borzins, Garbo, he's got some garbles in his hand and in his other hand, he's holding the the prize pack. He's he's giving it to you, Chris, right now. Oh my goodness, he's so excited. I wanna thank everybody who um, entered the contest, uh, including Alex, our friend Alex, mm-hmm. our good friend, Guy Dudeman. By the way, Guy Dudeman has a Twin Peaks podcast it's really good. It's called Happy Hour in France. And it's very, it's actually quite similar to ours, um, except it's its three people. Uh, we have Guy, who is a, a, a big fan of Twin Peaks. Um, and then there's um, a kind of just a casual fan of Twin Peaks and then a newbie. And they discuss the show together. Oh. And it's it's really good. They're very charming. They're very humorous. Um, if you like our podcast, go listen to their podcast. Um, Shelly, Shelly, thanks for emailing us. Um, Chris Lozenge and his girlfriend. Oh, Trin, yes. And um, Sam, who also entered the contest. You're all fantastic. But Chris was the uh, random name that I drew. And uh, we he will soon receive (laughs) 
the secret diaries of Eric and Tess and uh, a uh, fantastic Amazon gift card that he could he could buy something with whatever and, he wants and yeah. an amazing same pixel button. I wonder where he'll put it. I I can't wait to find out. So. Um, Chris, I'll be reaching out to you soon to uh, get an address that I can send all this stuff to. Congratulations. <laughs> can I tell you real quick? The um, So Chris, a great friend of the cast, he runs our official Facebook fan page, which I imagine is covered in the digital equivalent of cobwebs and spiders. <laughs> I could be wrong. But anyway, um, I think Amanda picked up my phone or maybe it was her phone. And you know how sometimes it'll do like a, oh, you had this memory two or three years ago well she picked it up and she was like i wonder what it is on eric's phone and it was just that image that chris had photoshopped of the spoiler dove like pecking my eyes out and she was like i don't remember that happening <laughs> chris is also amazing with some photoshop um chris also emailed us by the way i know it's been a really long time he wrote this in july of 2020 but i just wanted to read it that he's excited to hear the book review. We finally did it, Chris. I bet you thought it was never going to happen. You know what? It was only 11 months later. Don't worry about it. He says, to be honest, I'm excited to hear Eric's reaction on a particular The Return episode. Eric, I have two words for you. Part eight. Cheers, Chris. And Chris is uh, referring to a specific episode of The Return that is strap in my friend it's epic uh part eight i'm just i'm really looking forward to hearing your reaction to that as well so thank you chris for emailing us thank you all of our friends for um all of our listeners for entering the contest um and uh uh and thank you if you're listening to this right now you could you could be doing anything with your time you could be listening to millions of podcasts that are better than this one, but <laughs> you've decided to grace us with your auditory presence. And we appreciate that a lot. Very nice. Um, ooh, ow, my hand's hot. Uh, someone just handed, oh, Norma just handed me some coffee. And let me take a sip. Oof, this coffee, it's good and hot. <laughs> I don't have the outro music. Here, wait. <laughs> Oh, funny. I 